Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So I quit my job as a scuba instructor after my first dive. Deep down, I just knew it wasn't for me. You know, there's something about electric fences that I love. I just can't put my finger on it. (laughs) All right. Um, If you got a Bible, open with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to walk through 1 Corinthians 12. And um, y'all are going to have to listen fast today because I'm going fast, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are literally going to try to walk through the entire chapter. So if you're one of those old-fashioned kinds that bring a real Bible, open it up. If you have one on your phone, open it up. Whatever you need to do, just get a Bible. Steal one from somebody close to you. Is it all right to steal a Bible? Yeah, anyway, that, we'll have that discussion later, all right? All right. Uh, would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. What do you think we're going to talk about? Wow. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, actually, the Greek word there means ignorant. I don't want you to be a dummy. I don't want you to be a dummy. And you know that when you were pagan, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. See, you were a dummy when you were a pagan because you were worshiping money rather than God, and that didn't work so well because you can't take your money with you or you're worshiping power or whatever it was, all right? Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. We'll unpack this a little bit, but when you were pagans, you were serving what everybody else served, but when you become a follower of Jesus, you say, Jesus is Lord. Father, I pray that today you would help us as we walk through this passage to hear what your word has to say. And I pray that ears and hearts would be open to your message of life. And I pray that you would anoint these lips to speak. But most of all, would you cause our ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today I want to talk about the purpose and the use of the special power of the Holy Spirit. He starts this passage by saying, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. Because what happens is when you're ignorant is you put posts like this up. I'm on a meme page. So um, it says, the Bible was written entirely by the greatest American who ever lived, Jesus. Wow. You're talking about somebody that's ignorant and uninformed. I mean, Jesus was Russian, not American. (laughs) No, Jesus wasn't an American. He's never been American. He lived before America ever came about, but yet this person put it up. And the worst part about it, the worst part, 92 likes. There are 92 people out there that are just as dumb as the person who put this up. (laughs) Now, my question to you is, is how many, come on, think about this. How many of us ever say things about God that are not accurate or true. I mean, think about it. Um, have you ever said something or heard something like this at a funeral? God took your dad to heaven because he needed another angel. 
You ever heard anything like that? That's total bull. I mean, my feet smell just, just saying it. Because if God really needed another angel, how did, God, how did angels become in the first place? Who made them? God. If God needs an angel, what's he going to do? Just make one. Not going to take yours. Why does somebody die? They die because sin entered the world and sickness enters the world. And everybody dies at some point because sin has destroyed perfect humanity that God made for us. Right? Not because God needed them. God's selfish. God wants your dad more than you. No, that's dumb. And you know, I listen to stories of people who've deconverted. I listen to stories and, and read stories and write, uh, look at articles of people who've walked away from their faith. And often what I'll hear them do is I'll hear them define their view of God and their view of God is just as pagan. Can you, can you go back to that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? That passage says, when you were pagan, somehow or another, you were led astray. And the, the stupidity is that pagan Christianity has invaded our Christianity. You believe something not because the Bible says it, not because it's true. You believe it because grandma said it. Or you believe it because some radio preacher you heard years ago said it. And you believe things that are not true about God. Like God, if you don't feel God, he's not there. Find me that verse in the Bible. Are y'all are following me here? By the way, when I hear people and they walk away from faith and they say, I just don't believe that God is that unloving. I'm like, I agree with you. God isn't that unloving. You're worshiping the wrong God. I'm an atheist of your version of God too. But there is a version of God that is true, that is alive, that is well and real. And what Paul is saying is we need to get the right information and the right thoughts. And one of the ways you do that is you know by the proclamation you make, can you go to the next verse? The proclamation is Jesus is Lord. You can't say Jesus is anathema or Jesus is cursed and, and God caused you to say it. But when you say Jesus is Lord, you're declaring the Lordship of Jesus. Now, this means more in the day this verse was written than it does to me and you. Because if you declare Jesus is Lord in the day this verse is written, what you were saying is, is that Caesar isn't Lord, Jesus is Lord. And that could get you killed. You could lose your family, you could lose your job, you could lose your life. You see, there was a, a proclamation made here is that this world system isn't Lord, Jesus is Lord. And that's a proclamation I think we need to re-embrace in the church because a lot of us say Christian stuff, but what we don't say is the very factual truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what Lord means is this. Well, I was asking, many of you know this story. I'll tell it over and over and over again because it works so well. I asked a nine-year-old, I was going to baptize him one day, and I said, so what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? And he said, does that mean he's like the boss of me? Any, anybody ever said that? You're not the boss of me. Anybody ever heard a kid say that? You're not the boss of me? When you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying, Jesus, you're the boss of me. And if you want me to think differently, I will think differently. If you want me to act differently, I will act differently. And if I think something's right and you think it's wrong, you're right, I'm not. And if I think something's wrong and you think it's right, you're right, I'm wrong. And at Harvest Ridge, what we want to be is we want to be a church where we make the declaration, Jesus is Lord. He's the boss of me. He is Lord. And all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all the power of the Holy Spirit flow out of that simple declaration. And that's where we start. 
And that's what we're encouraging you to do on June 6th. Hey, if you want to be baptized, you haven't been baptized, you haven't declared Jesus as the boss of me yet. Well, it's time to do it. And we're going to have a baptism next Sunday night. We're going to be up in the chapel, going to fill the baptismal tank. If you want to be baptized, you want to make that declaration, just go online uh, at harvestridge.net or talk to somebody at the welcome booth somewhere today and tell them you want to be baptized and we will get you hooked up. We will get you dunked, right? We will declare Jesus is Lord with you, all right? Now, um, second thing I want you to notice from this passage is that if you want to live in a different kind of power, it's available. If you want to live with a different kind of power, it's available. Acts chapter, two, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will do some witnessing. Does it say do? It says be, a me in the Greek. It, I, you will be a witness. Not something you do, it's something that it becomes your very nature. And the act of power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you is something God gives you down deep inside to make you different at your core. So have you ever felt like you don't have what it takes to answer the question, to overcome the obstacle, to fulfill the duty, to make the commitment, to quit the sin? You ever felt that way? Anybody in the room other than me, you know, like, I just don't have what it takes. I can't pull this off. You've ever felt that way? If you have, then you're, man, you're actually in a very good place. God asked me to do something. I can't pull it off. I need a source of power. Do you ever desire for God to move, but you feel inadequate to make a difference? You say, God, I'd love for you to do something in my life or through me, but I can't pull it off. Well, this passage today we're going to look at encourages us that there is a power supply and you have the power to access and God wants to work that power in you and through you to make an impact on the world. So there are three words as we work through 1 Corinthians 12. There are three words that are going to break down this passage for us. And the first word is unity. The first word is unity. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit... The gifts and power of the Holy Spirit are from God, and they're given to accomplish His purposes. Not ours, His. I want you to notice some unity passage, okay? Some unity in this. Um, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts. Notice that word, gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service. Notice that word but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, notice that word, but in all of them, in, in everyone, it is the same, same God at work. Notice um, with me the Trinitarian nature of this passage. Um, if anybody in this room understands the Trinity, then you're the only one in the room that understands the Trinity. As a matter of fact, you're the only person in the history of the world that understands the Trinity, and you must have a divine revelation from God. We cannot understand how there can be one God and he is only one, but yet there is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, distinct in personality, distinct in person, totally separate, but yet one in unity and being and in purpose. I don't understand that. If you understand that, well, I think you're lying if you say you understand that. <laughs> Because it's beyond our comprehension. We serve a God that we can't even understand. That gives me some comfort. <laughs> Come on. If you can understand everything about God, then you're equal to God. 
But if there are things about God you don't understand, maybe you can still remain some awe of him and his awesomeness. All right. So this is Trinitarian. Notice there is the same spirit. It is the same spirit. Notice the exact same, same Lord and same God. Same spirit, same Lord, same God. It's Trinitarian in nature, but yet they are in unity together. They are different. They are separate. They are separate in personality, but yet they are only one. I don't understand it, but it is. But I do know this about the same spirit and the same Lord and the same God is that all of their gifts are given in unity for the common good, the common good. First Corinthians 12, seven says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So there's, all right, so we, uh, there was a song that was written years ago and the uh, bridge goes something like, you make everything work together for my good. Anybody hear it sung that way? You make everything work together for my good is what the song was written. But you know, that's a total fallacy and a lie. You know, God is not making everything work together for your good. That is not what the scriptures declare. The scriptures declare, so we change it around here and we sing it according to the, what uh, 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 Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says. Do you make all things work together for our good? Not my good, our good. Because, because what's good for me may not be what I'm experiencing right now, but it might be good for you. There, all right, anybody have kids? You guys raising kids? Let me tell you, there will be times it is not good for you to stay up the extra hours. It would be better for you to go to sleep. But if that puke needs sopping, what's good for me is to stay away from puke and stay asleep, right? But it's better for my kids for me to sop the puke and clean them up and take care of them, right? It is not better for my good, it is better for their good. Because an act of maturity is that we sacrifice our lives so that other people can live better. Now we got a problem in Christianity and our problem is Christianity is we're so stinking self-absorbed, we think God's gonna work miracles for us. So most of our prayers pray like, bless me Lord, give me this miracle because I need it to make me comfortable. And we wonder why God's not working miracles in our lives. Because if you're only asking for your comfort, you're missing the very purpose God called you. God did not call you into comfort. He called you into sacrifice and service. And there are miracles that happen. Anybody ever say, I wish I had the miracles that happened on the day of Acts? Well, yeah, if you've heard that and people say stuff like that, let's get you the miracles like on the day of Acts. Let's start putting your life on the line and you be persecuted and killed everywhere you go and then you will see some miracles. Do you know that there is a line? There is a line where faith intersects with the lack of faith. There is a line where faith intersects with lack of faith. And back here is where Christianity dwells and over here is where the world dwells and there's a line of interaction. And if you read the Bible really closely, you're gonna find out that all the miracles that happen in the Bible, nearly every single one happen on that line right here. Do you know why it happens here? Because back here, they're already Christians. They don't need proof that there's a God. Where do they need proof there's a God? Over here. Are y'all awake? Are y'all listening to me here? And a lot of us, we're praying, God, give me miracles. But we want to camp out just as close to the fires of God's goodness and protection as we can get. But if you really want the power of God, you got to get away from the ark and away from the fires of protection. And you got to get over here on the front lines where you need God's power. And most of us never experience God's power because we never put ourselves in a position to need God's power. 
You know why you don't have miracles? Because you never witness at work. You start witnessing at work, you're going to need a miracle. Right? You start laying your life on the line trying to reach out to people, you're going to need a miracle. But we think Christianity is all about living safe within the ark. Let me tell you, the last year and a half, I've gotten really, really ticked off at Christians. Pulling back into the ark like Noah. We're going to get in an ark of safety and we're going to live in safety together. And you know what? God has not called us to that. God has called us to be witnesses, not to be safe. And we need to get out of the ark and get back on the front lines of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, it tells us these gifts of the Holy Spirit are there to add people who are far from God to the faith. That tongues, interpretation, prophecy are there to speak to people on the line of faith. And most of us, we have no need for the power of God because we refuse to get out of our comfort. And if your prayers are all for your comfort, well then God's probably not going to answer them because he needs to propel you to move to go do something with your life rather than consume his blessings and get fat on them. Remember, this is Jesus said, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus died way too young. Why did he die so young? Because he had a purpose and a calling, and he was on the line of faith. God may have called you to step into bold lifestyle, and you're saying, but Jesus, please bless me with more money so I can have a bigger retirement home in Florida. God said, what are you going to do with it? I'll tell you what you're going to do with it. You're going to consume everything you've got on your pleasure. And the Bible tells me that is a sin. The gifts have power. So uh, reading through this passage, um, remember we came across the words service, working, and gifts. Now, service is diakonion, and that means to, just to serve, to give away. And then working is energemata, and that means the power to do something, energy to do it. And then there are gifts where charismata, and those are gifts that God gives that have nothing to do with us doing it. So, so the reason for the power of the Holy Spirit is to serve others, to work for others, and to have gifts that flow through us for others. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, all, all of these, there are those three divisions there. And service gifts are the wisdom and knowledge and prophecy gifts. And working gifts are the faith and healing and miraculous power gifts. Okay. Need a miracle this morning? Not for your pleasure, but you need a miracle. Come on, there's something in your life that's really goofed up. Yes, I did not do this for service. This is the Holy Spirit talking right now. Come on, there's somebody. You need God to do a miracle right now, and it will be a confirmation. If he does it, you're going to quit living your selfish life of faith, 
and you're going to start stepping out right now. You need a miracle. Anybody in the room, you need a miracle. Come on, there's something in your life. Maybe it's a person's life you're praying for, a kid or somebody at work. Anybody need a miracle? Come on, do you need it? Stand up right now. If you need a miracle, right now. Jesus, there are people standing all around this room right now, and there are people watching online. They need a miracle. God, we're not doing this for us. We're doing it because we believe when you give us this miracle, we're going to use the new level of blessing for your glory. We're going to step out of our comfort. We're going to step into your fullness right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for miracles right now. Physical bodies to be healed. Give them extra days to witness and share of your love. Right now, finances to be fixed. Lives to be... Relationships. There are relationships right now. God, I pray that that urging of the Holy Spirit and that voice of the Holy Spirit begin to speak words of wisdom and knowledge in the name of Jesus so the people standing at this moment would have relationships restored in the name of Jesus because of the, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit that you want to give. In the name of Jesus, we just ask you, Father, do these miracles right now. Amen. Amen. Maybe seated. I didn't plan on doing that. Come on. So when God does a miracle, would you at least let me know God did the miracle? Come on, can we celebrate it together? Because God's going to work some miracles out of that, all right? All right. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given. By the way, all of these nine gifts we just gave, these are not all the gifts of the Spirit. There are multifold gifts of the Spirit. You can't. But what Paul is doing in the writing here, this is actually beautiful Greek. He's using words like oderos and eteros to create a a distinction. I wish I could talk you through it, but I don't have time to do that. What I want to share with you is, though, is that there are multifold powerful gifts available to us, and those gifts are available whenever we need them, however we need them to accomplish the will of God. One of those is gifts of knowledge. Um, I'll tell you about this. We were in a deacon's meeting years ago. We had a problem. We couldn't figure out how we were going to meet this problem. We were in a deacon's meeting, and we were getting a little tense about the fact we had a problem. We couldn't fix it. And I said to my deacons, I said, I think we just ought to pray. And we hit the floor, and Herb, I thought I saw Herb here. I know he was here first service. Oh, there you are, Herb. Herb, I believe, was in the room. And Herb, you know, I always loved having Herb as a deacon because Herb would start praying in the spirit. And, you know, we, we were sitting there, all of us kneeling down on the floor. And we, we got up from that and clear as a bell, there was a word spoken. It came out of our deacon's mouth. And it was a word of knowledge that gave us supernatural insight into the direction we should take as a church. And sure enough, it was right. And it was, it was insight of knowledge about facts we didn't know that came out of somebody's mouth, didn't know the facts. And we as a church were able to move forward because somebody in a moment of crisis had a word of knowledge. Now, wouldn't that be great on your workplace or with your family if you'd have a word of knowledge or maybe a word of wisdom about how to deal with it? Wouldn't it be great if these gifts of the Holy Spirit weren't just to sound up on a church service, but in your workplace? Maybe maybe with your family? The problem is, though, is that growth only happens in service. 
Verse 11 says, these are the work of the one in the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one as he determines. These 12, uh, uh, nine gifts of the spirit here, they're, they're not things you own. They're not powers you own. They're, they're power that God gives in the moment. I'll give you one more. I was at a hospital. I was at Amherst Hospital, and um, um, I, I met a lady there named Sherry Root. I just met her that day, first time. She had staph infection in both of her legs, and they were going to amputate her legs the next day, both of them, from the staph infection in her legs. She also had just, she'd been in a car accident, and her legs were shattered, and they couldn't even piece the pieces of her legs back together, the bones back together, because the staph infection was so bad. And I'm visiting her that day, and as I, I you know, I talked with her for like, 30 minutes and I had somewhere I had to go and I start walking out of the door and I said, oh, Sherry, I'm sorry, I didn't even pray. So I said, can I, I'll just make this quick and I touched her toe on her left leg, on her right leg. I touched it and said, Jesus, heal her in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And I turned and I walked out of the room. I got a call from her the next afternoon. Staph infection, 100% gone by the time they texted the next day. They pieced her legs back together, and for the last 20 years, she's been walking. Now, I don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit to heal people anytime I pray for them. I don't have that power. I'm not that person. Other people may be, but I'm not. But I tell you what, because I was on the front lines ministering to somebody that lives her entire life on the front. Come on. Anybody know Sherry? She lives her entire life on the front lines. The power of God at the moment was there for the miracle. But most of us never experienced the miracles because if we got a miracle, we would can it, we would sit on our can, and we'd want more in our can. So if you desire the gifts of the Spirit, put yourself in places where you need God's power. If you can live your Christian life and do your ministry with the power that you have and you're all good, then you do not need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But when you are pressed beyond your ability, that's when God confirms his word with signs following. And if your heart is like my heart, to see somebody who doesn't know Jesus come to know Jesus, you're going to need those gifts of the Spirit. I'll tell you a story about a guy named Carl Etheridge. You might have heard him, right? 14 years, our children's pastor here. Carl Etheridge was a new missionary in Germany. His German was horrible. He only knew about five words of German. I'm using his words and not mine. And one day a guy showed up who was sort of tentative about the faith and definitely didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That Pentecostal thing was all crazy to him. and He didn't want anything to do with it. And uh, they asked him to pray. The missionary that was with Carl said, hey, would you pray for this young man? So he laid, Carl laid his hands on him, began to pray for him. And he said he used all the German he learned in about five minutes, you know, about a minute. So he used all those five words in a minute. Now he's got no words to to use. And he said, he just started praying real softly in tongues. And as he began to pray in tongues over him real gently, all of a sudden he began to get bolder and bolder and bolder and pray louder and louder and louder. And eventually they finished the prayer and the young guy looked at him sort of weird and they left. He came back a week later and he met him a week later and he said, Hey, I, 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 this past week, I totally committed my life to Christ. I'm all in. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I started speaking in tongues just it's weird. And, and the guy said, oh, really? Uh, Carl said, what, what, what happened? And he said, well, 
he told Carl, he said, you don't speak German very well, do you? <laughs> he said, no. He said, you started praying for me and uh, it, was, it, it was bad. Your German was bad. But then something happened. You started praying in Romanian and, and I'm from Romania and that's my home dialect. And you were praying in the dialect of my hometown in clear words. Do you know Romanian? And Pastor Carl said, no, I have no clue. But the guy said, well, you were telling me that God loves me and he has a plan for his life. And you were telling me that God wants me to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I went home, I was all shook up. So I said, I got to have some of that. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you needed something like that? If you never need anything like that, you'll never have it happen. But most of us, we wouldn't pray for anybody. Somebody next time you're in Walmart and they tell you, hey, I'm sick, I need some help. You say, well, let's just stop right here, bro. Lay hands on them and pray for them in Walmart. God can do a miracle there too, right? You're too radical for me. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not even close to radical. You should have hung out with Jesus. I got like two minutes. They said they were going to play Pastor Crow Bingo today. What phrase I was going to say. Can I have three minutes? There you go. <laughs> Y'all give me three minutes so I can finish the chapter. Y'all ready? Here we go. The second thing I want you to know is identity. The first one was unity. The second is identity. The analogy is that the followers of Christ are part of a body. And that means your identity is not your identity anymore. Your identity is Jesus Christ. Your identity is not your race. It's not your background. It's not your physical ability or stature. It's not your wealth. Your identity becomes Jesus is Lord. That's your identity. And when you declare Jesus as Lord, then you are given identity as a part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We need our body. We need it. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we were all baptized in one spirit and form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. Notice this, it doesn't matter your race, slave or free. It's not your economic background or your social status. We're all given one spirit to drink. We are... We're called to be one body with Jesus as our Lord, and we belong to one another. I had a guy come up to one time. Well, hold on. Let me do this. 1 Corinthians 12, 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, would not for that reason stop to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And you have a place in the body. You, as an individual, have gifts, no no one else has. You have power no one else has. You have a personality no one else has. And God wants to use that if your identity will be Jesus as Lord, then the working out of your life will be to add glory to Christ and will be the best fulfillment of who you are. You're a part of the body. You say, but I'm not, you know, I'm not special. I don't sing. I can't do anything. I had a guy come up to me one time and he said, hey, hey Pastor Kevin, look at this picture. And I looked at it and he said, you know what that is? That's my colon. It's the first time I've ever seen a human colon in my life. And it was just a smooth tube. And I was like, wow, that's your colon. Now, what you don't know, the backstory is the guy had colon cancer. And the time before, they had cut out polyps and they had cut out a portion of his colon. But this time, when he went, it was smooth. There were no polyps, there was no cancer. He was all excited about his colon being clean. Come on, right? 
Wouldn't you be excited if you'd had cancer and now you had none? And he was excited about it. Now, I can, I can honestly say to you, I do not look at people's colons. But I'm glad I have a colon in my body. I'm glad we got colons in the church because somebody's got to deal with all the crap. <laughs> hey, the analogy was there. All right. The third thing we need to know is release. After repeating the need for every person to fulfill their gifts, Paul gives a list of gifts. Now, notice these are a little different than the previous list. Why? Because these are not all-inclusive lists. In Romans, there's another list. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God is placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Now, what's apostle mean? Apostle means sent ones. Sent ones. Sent ones are people that God sends somewhere to accomplish his will somewhere. They might be missionaries to some outer Mozambique, Africa, or it might be a missionary to Sherwin Williams. You might be a missionary to Riddell. You might be a missionary to Key Bank. What if God made you to be a missionary, to be a sent one? Come on. That's what it means. You're sent. You're called out of your comfort and you're put on the front lines. And I tell you, there's no more front lines than some of the people I've run into that work at Key Bank. <laughs> so apostles. And then God is placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets. By the way, what's prophet there for? To speak God's word to people. Third, teachers. What are teachers there for? They're there to proclaim God's word in a way that is understandable, how to read, interpret, and apply the scriptures. And then, let me see, then miracles. What are miracles? That's using faith to see miracles happen that confirm the gospel message. And then gifts of healing. We've already talked about that one. You remember Dave McNeely's story from a couple weeks ago? Dave McNeely? He was over here. And he was in the chapel waiting to be prayed for. Nobody prayed for him. He felt God like pick him up and dip him in hot oil. He had back problems. He had had multiple back surgery. And that day he was well. And trust me, he can still swing a golf club better than me. And it ticks me off. But that's Dave McNeely's back was healed. And why was his back healed? Well, because that was the event that propelled him into full-time ministry. And I was at his church. And I can tell you that lives are getting changed on the front line of the gospel because of a miracle that happened to Dave McNeely up here. And when God works these miracles, he's going to make a change in somebody's life to make something happen for the kingdom of God there. Come on, you don't need powerful weapons of war if you're back in camp, but you do when you're on the front lines. Did anybody get that message from me today? Because this is the Holy Spirit's message. Get your keister out of camp and go to war. When you go to war, there you will experience the power of God. And then what else? They're helping, guidance, different kinds of tongues. Notice every one of these giftings. Every one of these giftings is not for you to experience God's power so you feel significant. Every one of them. And that was the problem at the Corinthians churches. They were all talking in tongues because they thought it made them significant. But these are the gifts that were there to propel them to minister to a community. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part of it. You've got a place. You're there. It's your place. So uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 29, are all apostles? No, not everybody's sent. Are all prophets? Well, no, not everybody prophesies. 
Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. All of these things don't happen every day through us, but they're all available to us when we will lift our eyes and have a purpose for our life. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Here's the takeaway of it all. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And what are the greater gifts? To minister to others. To elevate Jesus as Lord to others. So um, I'm up at Planet Fitness the other day. My wife, turn of the year, said this... uh, COVID quarantine 20 has got us. We're going to do something about it. So we joined a gym. It's been a long time since I've hung out with that many people that don't know Jesus in the same room at the same time. I was on my bike the other day riding. I didn't have my headphones on or anything. I was just sitting watching the people in the room. You know, the little teenage girls trying to look so cute so they can be so awesome when deep down inside they're hurting that they don't feel they're lovely and lovable. You know, the guys trying to prove how buff and bravado they are by the workout, the the older sickly guy who's trying to get control of health he's abused for 40 years. I could go on and on. But as I'm riding my bike and I'm watching the people in the room, I begin to pray. Begin to pray in the spirit. Next thing I know, I'm I'm one of those weirdos. You looked over me and thought I was crazy. Tears flowing out of my face. I'm praying over people, riding the bike there in Planet Fitness, praying for the lost, hopeless people who need Jesus as Lord. I don't know what miracles God's going to do, but you know what? I don't want to live within the sound of chapel bells. I want to live my life a yard from the gate of hell. I want to rescue people. It's not enough to be safe. We need God's power. And if you want God's power in your life, you've got to get out of the safety zone and step into the zone where you need the power of God to work. Would you bow your heads with me real quick? I just want to ask you a question. You're listening this morning and you're saying, all right, I need to. I need to get up to the front lines. I need to get to the front lines. I need to put my faith on the line. I need the power of God. That's me. I I need it right now. Jesus, help me. I'm going to step out of the comfort zone and start sharing my faith at work. I'm going to start praying for my neighbors. And when I walk around the neighborhood, I'm going to pray for them. God, I'm willing. I'm going to start right now. If that's you and you want the power of God to help you start, just lift your hand. I want to pray with you right now. Yes, around this room, their hands up. Right now, Father, Father, you see these hands that are lifted. I pray that you would meet them with gifts of the Holy Spirit and supernatural power to make an impact on people's lives everywhere they turn. In the name of Jesus Christ, do the miracle we pray. Amen. With your head still bowed, I want to ask one more question. If you're in the room today and it's, it's you, come on, the Holy Spirit's been talking to you all day long. It's time for you to declare Jesus as Lord. Just go all in. Jesus be the boss of me. Jesus be Lord. That's you. Just lift your hand real high. I want to pray with you right now. That's you in this room. Yes. Are there others? Yes. Yes. Jesus, it is our day. 
Nobody prays alone at Harvest Church. Everybody pray out loud with me, everybody right now. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Be the boss of me. I declare Jesus is Lord. Thanks for receiving me. Thanks for forgiving me. Thanks for giving me a future. Thanks for giving me a new identity. I am now your child. Take my life. I receive yours. Amen. If you prayed that and you meant it, Jesus received you as your own. We're going to lock the doors. They're locked. You can't get out. I want you to take about two minutes. I want you to apply what you heard. They're going to sing a song, the band is, and I want you to ask for that breath, breath, the ruach or the pneuma, the spirit of God to flow through you. And that when you leave this place today, you would walk with a new power of the Holy Spirit in you. So let's sing the song together. If you want to stand, you want to kneel, whatever you want to do, let's join.